Welcome to the latest in EG's Voice of the Region podcast. I'm Jim Larkin. I'm a regional researcher with EG, and I'll be continuing our journey around the UK where we talk to those regional agents who put in eye-catching performances in the radius on-demand rankings to find out why they're doing so well and in the process attempt to get under the skin of what particular markets are like at local level. This time we're off to Suffolk, where Penn Commercial are the highest placed regional agent, second only to Knight Frank in terms of transacted space, but in deals numbers are way in front of everyone. So I'm very pleased to be joined by company founder Vanessa Penn. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, uh, you formed Penn Commercial in 2007, is that right? Um, can you talk about your background prior to this and how the company's grown since and the areas you now specialise in? Yeah, so prior to setting up on my own, I was agency director with uh, Douglas Duff, and we were part of the Erinaceous group at that time. And um, obviously, it's well known that Erinaceous went into administration uh, back in 2007, and then I took over the Ipswich office and changed the name to Penn Commercial. Okay. Um, And in terms of the business now, what areas do you operate across? So we operate across all sectors of the commercial property market in East Anglia. Um, We don't put all our eggs in one basket. Obviously, different sectors are busier at different times. Um, At the moment, it's all about logistics and warehousing. Um, But obviously, we have to keep our eye on the office market, retail, investment, land sales and general commercial agency. Okay. Um, when outsiders like me um, think about Suffolk, they think of kind of rolling countryside and ornate thatched villages, which is probably down to either Constable or Lovejoy, depending on how, how highbrow you are. Um, but I guess from a commercial property perspective, things are quite a bit more sophisticated than this. Um, can you talk about the geographic areas within the county where most of the action is and the sectors in which Suffolk performs strongly? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, basically, the ports are mm-hmm. of very much importance to Suffolk. The port of Felixstowe, obviously, which is close to Ipswich. Um, and then we've got the port of Lowestoft, the port of Ipswich itself. Um, and so they're all strategic ports in the area. And, you know, historically, the industrial market has always been fairly busy in Suffolk because of the port's activities and ancillary Um, trading off the back of the port requirements, you know, in terms of service sectors and the like, warehousing distribution. So it's always been a fairly strong sector for Suffolk, the industrial and warehouse market. Sure. Okay. Um, Now, according to the radius rankings, you've transacted just under 70,000 square feet in Suffolk this year um, across 16 deals, which is puts you comfortably out in front of everyone else in terms of deals numbers. Um, How have you managed to keep getting those deals across the line in conditions that have been less than ideal, to put it mildly? Yeah, it's been a bit of a strange one, hasn't it, with the lockdown and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, funnily enough, during lockdown was when we did some of those deals. And some of those were off the back of the COVID um, experience, i.e. PPE, container storage, firms delivering food, um, setting up new centres for that, um, and other requirements that really came out of the pandemic, short-term warehousing. Another one was a technology company that was producing ventilators for the government at that time, and they needed a big factory and they needed to move fairly quickly. Um, happened that we had one down at Felixstowe and we were able to relocate them there for the ventilator contract, which they didn't actually 
supply in the end, but um, it facilitated their expansion. And since then, they've gone from strength to strength in that location. So although it was a lockdown, we carried on and um, we were actually fairly busy during that time. Good news. OK, excellent. Um, <clears throat> your biggest um, office letting of the year so far, um, it was a deal just shy of 9,000 square feet in which Network Rail um, took space in a building at Ipswich called the Maltings, which I think used to be a nightclub. Um, mm-hmm. Are you seeing much like that in the way of buildings being repurposed and kind of, you know, within Ipswich and, the, and your bigger town centres? What's the office supply looking like? Um, the office supply in Ipswich is fairly stable, I think. The Maltings was a bit of a one-off. It was an old nightclub. Yeah. I used to go to it in my younger days. Um, a developer <laughs> bought it and refurbished it to grade A space. And Network Rail saw it as a flagship site for their training and um, hub, you know, in, involved with their Stratford and Ipswich offers and stations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, a great tenant to get in that building. Um, great covenant. Everybody was very pleased. I think the office market is not really sure where it is at the moment post-pandemic it's not sure a lot of companies haven't gone back to the offices some are looking at downsizing some are looking at um, relocating perhaps out of London and forming satellite offices out here we've seen a few examples of that as well Um, for instance in the Maltings a couple of insurance companies had offices in London but they've also had older style offices here and wanted to modernize their space Um, And obviously, with the COVID spacing requirements now, they have to spread staff out. So having satellite offices is a good idea. Um, So there have been a few examples of that as well during this last year or so. And I think the office market will pick up once all these restrictions are lifted. What are your instincts about how it's going to pan out, say, maybe five years down the line? Do you think we'll be back to as we were or do you think this has changed things forever? In terms of office working, I think there will be more flexibility in that now because mm-hmm. I think it's gone on for so long. People have got used to working part from home, part in the office. I think they probably quite like that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I do think there will be demand for offices, you know, going forward. And a lot of it will be out into the regions like Suffolk to save on commuter times, to save on expenses, all of those things. You know, it makes a lot of sense. When it's only an hour, you know, to Liverpool Street from Ipswich mm. to be based here. Sure. <laughs> it's obviously a very nice part of the world to live as well. Um, uh, in terms of the retail sector, are you seeing much signs of that bouncing back to life following the partial easing of restrictions? Yeah, retail's been a bit tricky. Um, we mm. have done quite a few lettings in the town centre. We've recently was not retail, but recently got the botanist restaurants into the old Corn Hill in Ipswich. And, you know, they sort of came out of the blue looking at regional towns to set up and they decided Ipswich would be a good place. And so they've taken, you know, a landmark building in the centre of the town. And we're also seeing other restaurant cafe operators coming in. Um, Not so much retail at the present time, Um, some secondary retail where companies are able to move from sort of tertiary sites into more prime sites because of the rents being lower and more incentives, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Um, now, I guess the big news uh, for the county this year was that back in March, uh, Rishi Sunak, he gave the green light for the creation of a Freeport at um, Felixstowe and Harwich called Freeport East. 
Um, how significant is this for the region and what are the opportunities for commercial property? I think the free port will be significant. It certainly gives you know, the area a big boost and, and along with the free port status will come in the incentives that go with it. You know, the customs, mm. the tax breaks, stamp duty, all of those things. And obviously we're yet to find out exactly what all that means. Um, but certainly, you know, we've seen a huge demand for warehousing and logistical hubs in this area over the last couple of years. Uh, sites have come forward along the A14 corridor for mid-box and big-box sheds. And, you know, it's it's really been that sector of the market that's pushing ahead, you know, with lots of steam at the moment. Um, and I can see that only increasing because the proximity to Felixstowe is so good. Proximity to Europe is also very good. And um, a lot of these sorts of e-commerce fulfillment companies that have gone maybe up into the northeast are struggling perhaps with the ports up there and now thinking of coming back where they can be towards Felixstowe. Um, and I'm sure some of that is going to be driven by the free port you know, incentives that are going to be around. So I can see the warehousing, fulfillment, logistics sector, you know, just going from strength to strength along the A14. Um, we've got the Orwell Crossing site up to a million square feet. We've got really good interest in that. And, um, you know, that's only 15 minutes from Felixstowe. And there's other sites towards Berry, Stone Market, et cetera, you know, where they've been building and got planning consent for bringing those forward. OK. Um, how far are we away from building work to actually start within the Freeport zone? Um, I have to, we haven't been given a specific timetable for that yet, um, but I'm presuming something will come out in the white paper and people will be more informed about, you know, when all this will start to happen. Mm -hmm. Sure. OK. Um, now, I guess the whole point of Freeports um, is that goods can arrive tax free so you can kind of you process them or whatever and then export them without paying import taxes. Um, but are there kind of specific tax benefits relating to property? I mean, will it be cheaper to construct those buildings if you can get materials kind of before they you have to pay tax? Or, and, you know, will there be things like business rates for occupiers? Do you know? Yeah, I, I think there will be incentives along those lines, probably business rates. and There may be even some sort of tax efficiencies on, on construction costs, like you say. But again, we haven't really had the detail of that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's difficult to say, you know, whether that will promote more development. I'm sure it probably will in the, in the medium term. Yeah, sure. Excellent. OK. Um, and another thing that Suffolk is um, kind of known for, it's a bit of a pioneer in alternative energy. I think Felixstowe's made a commitment as a port to become carbon neutral and there's a huge um, hydrogen generator size well mm -hmm. be, I think. Um, how uh, how much kind of uh, from a property perspective, how is that driving demand or occupiers kind of showing an interest in, in basing themselves around that? Uh, I think that that will come on stream as time goes on. Certainly, mm. you say the hydrogen is quite exciting and there's a lot of offshore, uh, lower stock, et cetera, where there's some development around that. And that's going to be a sector that's going to boom, isn't it, in the next you know, mm. 10 years, potentially. We've also got Sizewell C looming you know, in the background um, and that will create a huge number of jobs in the area if that comes off. Uh, a lot of construction, a lot of, you know, ancillary jobs that'll then um, promote demand for land around here. So, 
kind of one thing leads to another with these projects, doesn't it? They're all interlinked. <laughs> mm, sure. So, yeah, the future is looking pretty bright, I guess, medium term. Um, now, you mentioned earlier that I think half the deals you've done this year um, were January and February, um, which is obviously when we were in deepest, darkest lockdown. Um, how did you sort of get those deals across the line with all the restrictions that were in place? Did you have to kind of move kind of more heavily into technology like Teams like we're using today? Yeah, I mean, we did all the sort of Zoom meetings, all of, all of that. Um, we did some virtual viewings. Um, and then when we were allowed to, you know, we did distance viewings. So we just sort of kept going. We Obviously, the phone doesn't stop just because there's a lockdown. So we were still mm. receiving the inquiries. Um, we still wanted to try and process them where we could and try and get them over the line. A little bit more tricky, you know, obviously some of the um, professionals, lawyers, et cetera, working mm -hmm. from home. So things going a little bit slower perhaps than they would normally. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, it's just really being proactive and um, reacting to the market at the time. Sure. I guess if you've got your own business, you know, you never really stop. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, how much on a sort of average week, how much were you out of the office? Were you particularly locked down or were you still able to go out and do viewings and things? No, we were still able to go out. We did the distance viewings. You know, we all mm. we all live fairly near the office. So uh, that made it fairly easy, to be honest. Sure. OK. Um, did the speed and ease with which you and your clients um, adapt to new technologies, um, did that surprise you? And do you think that's going to change things going forward? Uh, yeah, I think it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, everybody got used to it pretty quickly, didn't mm. they? And I suppose if we'd have been had this scenario, what, even six, seven years ago, we probably wouldn't have had these technologies to use. Yeah, things would have yeah. ground to much more of a halt, wouldn't they? So things would have really ground to a halt. Yeah, we'd have been on the mobiles or whatever, wouldn't we? Mm. So mm. it's quite fascinating to see how that's changed things. And I'm sure it will deter a lot of travel to meetings, perhaps, you know, out of the country and in the UK as well, because it's it's cost saving. If you can do it over the Zoom or Teams, then it's much, much more efficient in that sense, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. OK. Um, and I think we're kind of at a point where uh, the property industry is starting to embrace technology a bit more. Um, and one of the ways you've done that is by signing up to Radius. Um, mm -hmm. How have you incorporated all that into your workflow um, and what are the benefits? Um, yeah, we do use it on a daily basis, to be honest. Um, we signed up to it. We put the data in there, you know, obviously when we've transacted these deals and um, obviously other agents do the same. So you, you get a good base of comparables for producing marketing reports for clients. It's quite a handy tool to have. It's, it's easy to use. Um, it's at your fingertips. You haven't got to go sort of phoning around lots of people to try and find all the information. Um, which is, again, what you had to do in the old days. Basically, there wasn't anything really like this sort of database around. Mm -hmm. Sure. Do you find that generally um, the kind of the way companies approach data is changing a little bit? I mean, I think it was slightly guarded as though it was a secret, whereas now people think, oh, if I just you know share mine, then I'll get loads more back in return. Yeah, I think it's become a bit more, I think, Databases have become more sophisticated, haven't they? And the way data is sort of mined as well has become better. Um, and as you say, it is shared a lot more now. Whereas it used to be quite a closely guarded secret, didn't it? <laughs> you wouldn't sort of share anything with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, it tends to be the regional agents like you guys who are perhaps wary of the you kind know, of bigger companies coming in and sort of seeing, you know, what you do. But obviously, 
you know you're not worried about that no I mean we talk to the bigger firms you know we've been joint agents with them on a lot of projects and you know I think it's quid pro quo really you know they get information probably from looking at the data we put in and vice versa you know and if we can help each other then if, if they've got something in this area then they're more likely to choose us than perhaps somebody that you know isn't very helpful <laughs> um so yeah I think yeah I think it's a disadvantage really Perfect. Okay. Well, on that positive note, I think we'll bring things to a conclusion. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thank you.